Welcome back, my friends. Before we get into tonight's show, I wanted to cover some of the cool stuff that we have coming up. May 1st, I'll be supporting the show at the Ohio Bigfoot Conference. This is a huge opportunity to be a vendor at one of the premier conferences held at Salt Fork State Park. June 3rd through the 5th, we'll be crossing over with Hide and Seek Archives podcast to bring you a series of shows based on observations and evidence collected during that weekend's investigation of Huron Manistee National Forest, smack dab in the middle of Michigan. July 30th, I'll again be supporting the show at this year's Michigan Bigfoot Conference in Chelsea, Michigan. And then I'll be hosting my own conference, Bigfoot and Brews, on September 10th in the Sister Lakes region of Dwajak, Michigan. The setting for the event will be the Sister Lakes Brewing Company. This will be in recognition of the Dewey Lakes Monster Sighting of 1964. It will be a full day of Bigfoot edification for enthusiasts and novices alike. Guest speakers will include Ron Moorhead, James Lady, Val Zalvala, and John from my episode 2 and 3 in his first speaking engagement ever. Head over to BigfootandBrews.com for all the available info. Tickets are on sale now. In the ticket section, you'll find options for vendors' applications and even a sponsor's option. If you're able and you'd like to help support this event financially, you can do it there or you can email me directly at contact.uncomfortable at gmail.com. Please, please rate and review us on Apple and iTunes and make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at Uncomfortable Podcast. Now, let's get into tonight's show. Doing that, I was face-to-face with it. It was holding me by my throat, and it felt like it was sucking something out of me. I probably should have been more scared than I was when I witnessed the exorcism. I turned and looked on my right side. When I did, there's there's a beam on the side of the tree, a large beam. It's looking at me and I'm looking at it. After I hit the lock button and looked back up, I saw red eyes staring back at me. If they're going to show multiple gods, all over the earth, be able to speak in people's languages. And at that point, it kind of converge into this one entity, which will be revealed as extraterrestrial. You'll realize that aliens are the gods of old. And at that point, it'll wipe religion out of the context of humanity. No, it couldn't have been a person, I know that. I know that people can't run through the woods like that. So this thing comes into view, and I see it. It's 50 yards away from me. It's walking. It's walking on two legs. It's huge. This is a big, hairy-looking being.
Ladies and gentlemen, tonight, I'm going to do something a little bit different. I actually had a couple of listeners say, hey, you ought to do a show where you revisit and, and do a, where are they now? And I thought about it, and I was like, you know, that'd be a, that'd be a pretty cool thing to do, but considering that I'm just coming up on a year, chances are not a whole lot's changed in those people that I've talked to over this past 12 months. So... We're going to kind of do that, though, today. We're going to be talking about a piece of property that has been talked about in another episode of mine. If you're curious, if you go back to episode 22, there's a piece of property off Crumbstown Highway, northwestern Indiana. That's, that's where this story is going to start. So there's some, there's some confirmation weird things that are going on on that property from tonight's guest. And if you will, please welcome to the show tonight, Dave. Dave, welcome to Uncomfortable. Thank you, Eric. Um, I want to go ahead and preface this uh, show with um, by saying that we were very young when these experiences happened. And I know we've talked a little bit before, but... Um, you know, being in the prepubescent years, like, you know, 11, 12, 13 years old, um, sometimes you uh, you tend to be a little more uh, sensitive to the paranormal. And I feel like that's where a lot of my stories have come from because they all happened around the same time. Okay. Now, and um, so to go on to the property here. Um, back in October of 2001, we had a series of tornadoes rip through the area and it devastated like all the houses and trees and woods in the area. And, um, it was a big deal for the time, but back then, um, you know, like the following summer, you know, we're still young kids, like 12, 13 years old. And we explored like the devastated woods of the areas, you know, jumping, jumping off of fallen trees and whatnot. And, um, there's a property behind our subdivision out there that we had permission to, you know, go out there and explore. And so we entered this woods and, you know, it looked pretty normal. It was, you know, this was probably late summer, early fall in, uh, 2002 ish. And, um, you know, everything seemed normal. It was fine. There was, you know, greenery and animals playing, birds chirping and whatnot. But as we keep going into the woods, it was like we stepped into like another part of the woods. And it started to, you know, there's not greenery anymore. It started to get dark and quiet. No animals, nothing. Like just just leaves and trees and we began to notice these trees actually had sticks like leaned up against them, circled around them, like almost intentionally. And I say this because it, you know, they could have fallen naturally, but it was very observable. And it looked like someone just placed them up like, like little teepees around the trees. Mm -hmm. So we didn't really think a whole lot of it, but can I, you know, can I ask you, were these, were these like limbs that were very long or were they more um, sticks and twigs that were, you know, 
I'm, I'm glad you asked that. There, most of them, like, all, m- most of all of them were just little sticks. Okay. They're probably about two feet long. And I bring this up because, well, you'll understand why later. But, yeah, all the trees, like, had, li- like, little sticks just all around them. I know it sound it doesn't sound like very paranormal to you right now, but it, it, I feel like it has a uh, significance later. But anyways, so you know we find some trees that have fallen over, we're climbing them and whatnot, just having a good time, just being kids. And then, you know, I start noticing movement like out of the corner of my eye, like in the distance, and I'm looking, and you know, I. I I see something maybe like jump behind a tree really quick. And so like, you know, I look again and then I see like, like a black pitch black figure, like come out from behind a tree. Like it peeked at me and then went back behind the tree. So I couldn't see it anymore. So you're talking like a human figure. Yeah. It was in the shape of a human but it was pitch black and, and it, this was broad daylight. So, um, but, but you're, in, you know, but you're in a wooded area. So, you know, ambient light is probably not, it's not like standing out, not in the woods. Right. I mean, you got shadow play and, and, and darkness created because of the, the canopy of the, of the woods. Correct. Correct. But it was still like daytime. Okay. Like it wasn't like nighttime. So like this was very distinguishable from the surrounding areas and uh, you know, and it seemed like, like I know like a lot of people might think that this might be a Bigfoot type experience, but I don't think it was, Um, you know, it almost looked like it was our size, like maybe the size of, uh, you know, like a regular human, like six foot or maybe even, you know, like five foot, like we're, you know, our size as kids. But, um, so, you know, I turned to my friends. I said, hey, do you guys see that? And, you know, they didn't really say, you know, they don't think they saw it. But then I got their attention and, like, we kept watching. And then out of behind another tree, a different tree, like farther in the distance, you see the same thing happen. It was like a peekaboo motion. Like, it, it, it peeked out from behind the tree and came back. And it was bizarre. Like, we... We're like, what, you know, what the hell was that? (laughs) So, um, I don't, I, you know, the days blur together because we went out there so many times, but, um, the reason I bring up the stick thing around the trees was because as we went further into the woods, there was a large tree with a large branch, um, leaning up against it. Just, just like one single large branch. And, it, you know, like I said, it could have fallen like that, but it looked intentional. And I walked up to this tree. I was, like, almost, like, attracted to it. And I stop and, like, put my hand up against it. And I feel, like, very uncomfortable, like, very strange, like a, like a very, uh, like, very, how do I explain this? like uneasy, like, you know, like when you kind of feel like tingly and, you know, like adrenaline's running type of thing. And then it felt like I almost had like an out of body experience. Like it was like a vision 
of like me being watched by these shadow people. And, you know, it only lasted like a second, but it was notable to me. And so like, I, I kind of got the impression that like these things were out there, you know, doing something or, you know, th- there's a reason these, these trees were the way they were. Yeah. And so, so, so going back to the, the, the lighting conditions when you were there, um, you know, with, with it being daylight, if these figures, had they been just normal people in clothing, you would have been able to recognize that, correct? Correct. So that was, it, it was, it was more impressed upon you because there was a lack of uh, color or anything. It was just, just black silhouettes. Yeah. Like j- just imagine like, you know, like a, you know, yellow, red, orange, you know, forest of leaves and browns and all that. And then you draw a Sharpie, a black Sharpie of a, of a person peeking out from behind a tree. Like that's what it was like. You know, it was not translucent. It had no other color on it. It was like a pure black stick figure. So, um, anyways, like, you know, we ended up leaving, but we kept coming back and kept, kept kind of seeing the same sort of things, but it's, you know, most of the time it was out of the corner of our eye. So like we weren't looking directly at it, but like you see something move, you know, it's it's almost like you're imagining that. And I started going back there by myself because it, for some reason I was drawn to this area. I was drawn to this property and it felt like, I don't know, like I just felt like an attraction to go there. And it was creepy because like when I started going out there by myself, started feeling different. I started, it almost felt like I was in a trance like state. My eyes would get really heavy and it just felt like almost like I was in a dream. And, you know, after a while, like I think I grew out of it and just, you know, my friends and I started doing other things like playing with Ouija boards and stuff. (laughs) Um, Out of the the pot and into the fire. Yeah, really. But, um, I, I always wanted to tell this story to someone because I can't do it justice the way it made me feel and how, how like scary it was. Like it still gives me the chills thinking about these figures popping out from behind the trees and just not knowing what they were and kind of feeling like they're like calling me out there. But yet you had the courage to go out there as a young, as a young boy still yeah. to go out there by yourself. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I wouldn't call it courage. I would, I would call it, I don't, I'm not really sure what to call it. It, it seemed like I was being lured out there in my opinion. You know, and you know, for the, for the gentleman that was in episode 22 talking about this very same property, um, there, there's some correlations there because there seemed to be a, an over overwhelming attraction to wanting to be around that property. Right. No, he's, he's not wrong about that. And I would, I would think that my story is more of a prequel to his story. Cause I think his story takes place 
almost 10 years later. But he was there um, when we first started this activity, like when we first started experiencing this, and he heard my story. But, you know, years years later after that, you know, we grew up and started high school, and we ended up building a paintball field out there in the sunny green part <laughs> and didn't, like, really bother going to the to the dark part anymore. So, so. Any, that, any other any other types of activity on that uh, on that property throughout the time that you spent on there? Or? I I just I want to say like that kind of sums up what happened on that specific wooded part of our property. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like just the sense of being watched out there, and you know, anything else like it. I uh, it's been twenty years, so like. I, I, you know, like the most, you know, the scariest stuff happened when I saw a black figure staring at me from behind a tree and which is scary. enough. it's kind of just more of the same. Yeah. (laughs) So was this, was this property in your family or was this just a a piece of local property that you guys all were hanging out at? So, yeah, this was a property behind our neighborhood. Like we had a subdivision and like, it's kind of like we had sort of like an unspoken permission to go out there, like with one of the neighbors um, I wouldn't recommend uh, going out there or trying to find this property because um, that neighbor is no longer with us, and I don't think that's a very welcoming place. And um, yeah, so we just had permission, and that was that. But um, you know, it was still close to our subdivision, and our subdivision actually has um, you know some history to it, or that you know within that subdivision we had paranormal activity can you can you uh, get into that yeah so to describe the subdivision we have you know it's fairly new it was built you know late 90s early 2000s and um there is one lot on that land that has not been built on and me and my family being the first out there um, knew what this lot was, it was a graveyard. And you can actually go into this place and see where the graves are. Like there's depressions in the ground. Like so, it so, was just like, so this is a lot in your neighborhood that was never developed. Correct. Okay. So yeah. And there's no signs, no grave markers or anything. So like, that's like just another woods for us to play in obviously is, you know, 12, 13 year old kids. Um, but I, I feel like that may have something to do with, um, some of the paranormal activity we've experienced. Um, but specifically with my parents and their house, um, they actually had a psychic confirm that they had like the activity they experienced was due to someone buried in the, in that graveyard. And I spoke with my parents earlier today just to confirm uh, what exactly happened. Um, So my dad used to sleep in this room in the basement because his snoring was so bad. And, uh, (laughs) And he would close the basement door every night so the cats wouldn't come down there and bother him. And, um, you know, my mom would get up early and notice that the door was open. 
And then he would come up from being awake and the door was open. And they both noticed this. And, you know, I think eventually they confronted each other. It's like, hey, are you opening the door? And they're just like, no, like to each other. So, like, they thought that was weird. Um, but my dad said that he would, he'd be sleeping down there. And he would feel like something ice cold is grabbing his feet or, or one of his foot, like his foot. And uh, he would move his foot to get away and it would be fine. And then the cold would come back. <laughs> and so he couldn't get away from the cold, the ice cold thing. It would just follow him around. And then eventually it'd come up to his face and he like felt like he would breathe in the cold air and like wow. that just like it was like tormenting him and at one point he said that there were you know shadows standing over him over his bed um really? but th- this yeah this went on on and off our dog would not go into this room she would growl at it and which was like pretty creepy and um you know it came it became apparent that like something was going on and my, my parents are not like closed off from this kind of stuff. They're open to these, uh, paranormal things. And, um, you know, I think one day my mom was just like, well, what do you think it is? My dad says it's a woman and her name is Margaret. Like he didn't get that from anywhere else. He just like, that's just what he said. Like he knew that. So they were out in Vegas at some point and they talked to a psychic and they asked the psychic if they had a ghost in their house. And the psychic said, yes, there's a woman in your basement and her name is Margaret. (laughs) She's yes. She's 17 years. She was 17 years old and she's connected to a cemetery that's uh, close to your house. And they actually went and like researched this and I tried to do this before I came on today. I, I'd probably have to do a little more digging, but it was it's the cemetery of the Taylor family. So it's the Taylor family cemetery. It was like a farm family that is buried here. And so like that was that's enough confirmation for me, I guess, to to, to know that uh you know, why they they were being haunted. It just seems to me that it's it's unusual that if, if it was that easy for you to get confirmation of it and, and find record of it, that, you know, there hasn't been something done by the, the local community, whether it be the um, city council or something, you know, put up a, a recognition of the fact that that is a, um, a burial ground. Yeah, I'm, I'm not really sure because, um, because of the landowners that sold the lots off into parcels, I'm not sure if they considered that. I think it's still technically like private property. I'm not sure how all that works. It's not like really associated. I, I think it was just a landowner that sold off lots of his land. Now this has been 30 some shows ago. So my memory on this could be, could be faulty, but do I remember the previous guest saying something about um, kids had found a, a, a bone or a skull or something at one point? Yeah, I, I I listened to his episode and I he said that that happened in like the '60s or something. Um, I I don't know. I, I've never like looked into it hard enough to know if that's true or not. 
uh, I haven't looked up to it, but um, this probably sounds really bad, but, you know, we played in there as kids and we, we kind of, you know, dug around with a stick <laughs> to see, you know, what was underneath the leaves and we hit something hard. So we stopped digging. <laughs> so I, I think, uh, you know, I think what it was is like sunken in caskets because, you know, like the wood rotted out or something. Yeah. I think it was just a family that, you know, kind of buried their own on their own land. Kind, so, of, kind, of, <laughs> kind of creepy to have that in the middle of a uh, upstart neighborhood. Yeah, I mean, that's probably why it's not advertised. It's probably <laughs> people don't want to think that their houses are being built on people's right. graves. <laughs> yeah. We all see how that played out in, uh, in the Poltergeist movie. Um, exactly. So did you ever have any conversations with other people that lived in that neighborhood? Uh, was was the, the paranormal uh, activity, uh, to coin a phrase, um, was it prevalent throughout the, the neighborhood? Do you know? So, um, yes. So, well, I can't confirm like exactly like what other people say. So like I live like, like a block or two away from this um, cemetery and the house directly behind it. That's like, like a two doors down from my parents' house um, had numerous families like move in and out of it. So like, you know, we lived there for like 25 years or something and we probably saw six or seven different families move in and out of that place. Like anyone that moved right behind that graveyard did not stay there for more, for very long. <laughs> yes. And so I, I think when the last family left, one of our neighbors asked, like they ran into them in a bar or something and they asked them like, Hey, like, was your house haunted? And they said, Oh Yeah. So I, that's his most, that's the m- most confirmation I can give you of that. Um, Interesting. But we did have a neighbor next door to us commit suicide. Um, you, like years ago, like I was like, yeah, probably 14 years old. And um, I think it was, in, was, it was within the month of his death that, you know, my dad was sleeping in the basement and he smelled or felt uh, someone blowing cigarette smoke in his face. And this guy was a smoker. And I guess this, the very same night, the neighbors behind him and on the other side of him had the same thing happen. Like he was making his rounds. No yeah. And I even thought that I had my own experience with him because me and him kind of had a special bond um, you and you and the he, gentleman who committed suicide. Yes, like he he was like kind of like a grandfather figure. Oh, wow. Um. So you know, I'm just sleeping in bed and I'm like half asleep, and I even got like like my TV light on just to like as kind of a nightlight, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, it's 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 just those moments, right? before you're falling asleep that you don't, you're not really sure if you were sleeping or not. But I, I woke up because someone right next to my bed was coughing like, like a smoker's cough. And 
it like freaked me out. Like, you know, you got the adrenaline running and you can't move and all that. And so I just let it go and I, I rolled over and right before I fell asleep again, it happened again. And, but that was about it. Um, but it was enough to make me think, yeah, that was probably him. (laughs) So, but, um, we probably didn't help the situation, uh, as teenagers when we started messing with Ouija boards. Um, I have, yeah. So I have, um, I don't know how to start this. So let me just, we were into those, um, you know, paranormal shows, obviously, because of all this stuff happening. And, you know, we got some, like, ghost hunter equipment, like recorders and cameras and stuff. Um, I still had one of those uh, 90s-style VHS cameras. Yeah. <laughs> but The big ones that unfortunately, 14 pounds sitting on your shoulder. It, well, it was like a camcorder, but you, like, took a tape out and then put it in a vhs size tape to... To play it, (laughs) but but unfortunately I never caught anything on that, but I did with the audio recorder. So one night I was at home and I was making my friend play with the Ouija board on the other line. And he's like two doors down from me. And I kept hearing these noises over the phone and I'm like asking him like, what's he doing? Like, why are you making that noise? like i'm not making a noise was he hearing was he, he hearing it as well or only on your end it was only on my end through the phone and i thought he was kind of messing with me but it was kind of a weird noise to even mess with somebody it was like a like a noise or something like that and i'm just like well if you're not making that noise and uh you don't hear it then maybe you should come over and grab my recorder And, you know, keep in mind, he's messing with the Ouija board at the same time. And as he's leaving his room, he tells me that something, like, hissed at him Mm. as he left. And so, like, when he came and grabbed the recorder for me, he was, like, a little spooked. And, you know, I'm just, just like, hey, man, you have to go and do this. I want to catch something. (laughs) So, yeah, I was kind of like the boss of the group. So he, uh, he, he went ahead and did it, but you, you're familiar with like what Ouija boards look like and how they're, you know, they got the planchet sure. and then like a regular basic board. So when he came back to his room where the Ouija board, he left it on his bed, he came back to it balancing by itself on the edge of a chair. And he's just like, you know, what the heck? But he still went ahead and started playing with it again and started recording it. And so he did all that. And while I was on the phone with him, the little planchet thing ran over a goodbye at the bottom of the board very fast. And it ran off the board and actually flew off the board and hit his guitar. And, you know, like, keep in mind, like, I'm just, I'm not even there. I don't even see it. So I, I'm like halfway thinking that maybe he's making it up or whatever. So the next day I go over and we listen to the recording and I heard some very creepy things on that recording. And I wish I kept this tape because the noises I heard over the phone were on the recording 
there were also some very creepy, like, I wouldn't, I don't want to say staticky, like maybe humming. It was just like, it was almost like an interference. And then like you heard whispers, like just quite enough where you can't like really hear. It was just like, you know, you know, it was just, it was very creepy, but you could also hear the, the thing run off the board and hit his guitar. It was just, it was all there. Now, you know, keep in mind, like, I, I'm still skeptical, okay? So we messed with the Ouija board again. You know, we left it in the middle of his bed. It ran o- ran over goodbye, but, you know, by itself, because those things move. He, I don't think he was moving it, but even if he was, like, the next thing that happened, like, confirmed that he wasn't bullshitting me. So it was just me and him in the house and his grandpa. His grandpa was sleeping because he just had heart surgery. <laughs> so he wasn't going to be messing with us. Really, really nice of you guys to be messing with spirits. Well, <laughs> you got a guy that's laid up, just got done with heart surgery. <laughs> we were bad kids. <laughs> so we go down in his basement and play video games for a while, you know, maybe 10, 15 minutes. Then we go back up to his room and his, the, we let, like I said, I, we left the Ouija board in the middle of the bed. We came back and it was halfway on the bed and halfway on the arm of his chair. So it had moved by itself. Mm. And we're just like, whoa, like we're not going in there. Like we went back downstairs and, you know, play video games again and came back again. And the Ouija board was balancing perfectly on the back of it on this chair. And this is like a wooden chair. This, this is like hard, this would be hard for a human to do. Like it was balancing evenly. So like it was just upright. So is it laying flat or is it standing on one of its ends? Oh, I didn't even think of that. No, it was, it was laying flat. <laughs> okay. But it would be way creepier if it was standing you know, on. <laughs> that, that's, that's the picture I had in my head was that it was standing on end. And I was like, man, you guys got balls. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it was like, you know, if you ever try to make a house of cards or okay. something, it's like yeah. kind of like that's how it was balancing. So, but it wasn't like it was just one like edge of the chair, just it still like it would be hard for one of us to try to do this. And mm-hmm. I was with him the whole time. So, like, that happened on its own. Were you guys, how how into the, the Ouija culture were you, were you guys, um, you know, summoning and then just letting it be, or were you actually doing anything to close the, close the conversations like you're supposed to? Yeah, we absolutely did not know what we were doing. Like we didn't close any portals. We didn't, we didn't do, do any kind of prayers. So we ended up breaking the Ouija board in half and throwing it out. And the night we did that, something followed me and another friend home back to your house. Uh, Yeah. Like something happened to me at my house. Like I was cleaning my room or, you know, I was in my room doing something and the clothes hangers in my closet were, were all swinging back and forth like very fast. And it was just like bizarre. I'm just like, how, how did that happen? Like, was I, was I just in there? And 
you know, it doesn't sound scary, but like it was weird. <laughs> and well, uh, I, I would think it would be scary. I mean, uh, there's no good, no good reason for it to be. Yeah, it was. So. It was it was just bizarre. But the next day, I, I ran into my friend. He said he was sitting on his couch, like watching TV or something, or maybe he was, like you know, just woke up from a nap or something, and he saw a black shadow, uh, like cross the room, like kind of like crawl, and it went up to this, uh, you know, like house plant, like one of those big. Like, I don't know if it, it might have been a fake house plant or something, but when it reached the house plant the house plant started shaking like violently. So I'm just like, okay, so maybe it wasn't, you know, like maybe it wasn't my imagination. Maybe something weird happened to both of us last night. So, so, and and you're what age now? I'm 31. No, 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 I'm sorry. At at this time when the stuff was (laughs) happening, uh, 12, 13, 14, is there any chance in hell that, you know, it, that your, your prepubescent minds are, are, you know, you're dabbling with stuff you probably shouldn't be dabbling with. Um, yeah. And, and you've got other people that are confirming that they've, they're seeing this stuff too. Is there any chance that this is all just a, um, uh, an unintentional ruse where you guys are all just kind of feeding off of each other's, uh, um, want for for something weird to be happening. That that's a good, a very good point, and that very well could be the case. But when it comes to my parents experiencing like what they experienced, like uh, yeah, they weren't they weren't pretty pretty yeah, That's true. <laughs> um, and those the neighbors that also had you know smoke blowing their faces uh, weren't. But good point. But because I mentioned that, like, I I feel like, um, you know, some of these entities might have been attracted to us a little more, made themselves more visible to us. Um, That actually reminds me of another story when um, we were at uh, the same friend's house, but we played with the Ouija board, but his mom's house. So it was like a different house on a different, not even related to this property. Um, He told us that he had some weird experiences in his house and like, we kind of went over there and spent the night to investigate. And it's like, he told us about this bathroom he had. And when he got home one time, like outside, he saw um, a figure in the bathroom staring at him, like a, like a face in the window. So when we got there, uh, we walk into his kitchen and I felt this cold breeze run past my leg you know, cause it was like summertime we're wearing shorts. I'm just like, Ooh, that was weird. Mm-hmm. And he's like kind of taking us through the house, taking us through a tour. And we walk into this bathroom and I immediately felt uneasy, adrenaline pumping, felt shaky. And like no one else felt like that, but, but me at the time. And so like, as you know, we're walking across the hall I'm like kind of fixated on the bathroom still. And they had one of those curtains that, um, that you can kind of see through, but it's blurry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, I saw something sitting in the bathtub, like a figure of a person. It was like white. And I saw like a head move down 
like it was like doing something like looking or something and then it disappeared. And I was like, okay, that was creepy. So eventually like, and this is like one of those kind of tri-level houses. Mm -hmm. So like we're, we're eventually hanging out in his living room. And like one of my friends was in like on the other side of the bathroom in like a, like his bedroom over there. And he had a cat. He had a couple cats actually that would, that were staring right above you. Like there was something like they were just sitting and staring above you, like not looking at you, but there was something like above your head (laughs) that they were looking at and they were just frozen that way. Now that's creepy because I've had my dog, I've had my dog just sit and look at the corner of a, a room for, you know, obviously no, no good reason. Right. Like, yeah. Dude, like, what? What are you looking at, man? You're yeah, that, me that's out. exactly how it was. Yeah, it, it was freaky. Um, but anyways, so I'm sitting in the living room, and my friend's sitting in uh, the bedroom, and this is important because the bathroom is in between us. So I'm like looking up into the hallway where the bathroom is, and I start to see a black figure, like. It didn't even look like a person, but it uh, started to, uh, sorry, someone was just knocking at my door. Um, I saw a black figure like moving slowly out of the bathroom and like it was like you could see like the legs of the figure like floating like on the floor, but like the figure had to like duck its head under the doorway of the bathroom to move out into the hallway. And like, this is where I was like, okay, am I imagining this? Or is this just something I want to see? But my friend on the other side of the room said he saw the same thing. (laughs) And uh, That's like, that was confirmation for me at the time. Yeah. So So you both reacted at the same time to it? We, yeah, I mean, we, yeah, we, we both saw it. We're just like, whoa, like, I mean, we're both like, you know, like frozen, you know, like we're like petrified at the time. Keep in mind, like, we're not just like, Hey, did you see that man? It's like, no, like, whoa, we're freaked out. (laughs) So yeah, like that was, yeah, I might need a break here. (laughs) Well, while you're taking a break, let me ask you a question. Um, You know, so with, with your, uh, let's call them, you know, your junior ghost hunting uh, skills and, and interest in, in all this stuff, um, what what other kind of things did you delve into? I mean, was was Ouija board about the the worst of the, the things that you guys dabbled with, or did you? Um, well, yeah, that, that actually, I'm glad you asked me that because uh, it reminds me, because my parents my dad actually bought like some ghost hunter equipment and uh he had one of those like i think the ghost hunters or ghost adventures had the same but those emf detectors that light up Mm -hmm. and like one of those like kind of like handheld spirit boxes like that do the radio frequency things um so in that basement where my dad was being haunted um he he did the spirit box down there and he said, you know, this was after they 
confirmed like it was, you know, that ghost of Margaret. Mm-hmm. They, he asked Margaret, are you here? And the spirit box says, yes, I am. <laughs> but, you know, at the time, you know, or around the same time, like this, this was like over a period of time. And the, uh, you know, we had a lot of deaths in the family uh, around, you know, like over the years, like, like around the same time, like three people in our family close to my parents died. And, you know, they had the uh, EMF detector and it goes, or it was after my mom's dad died. And she asked like, dad, is that you? And, you know, like you, you tell the thing to light up if, you know, yes or no type of thing. Yes. And it lit up and, you know, they did other things like that. I, I, I wasn't there for it. So I, I don't really remember. I'm just kind of going off what they just told me here, but they did stuff like that. But I, I can't say that I got more into ghost hunting than just trying to record stuff that I never got. But um, the Ouija board was like as far as we went with um, any kind of uh, divination, I guess. Mm. And you never got too uh, too wrapped up with EVPs? No, like only the ones that we caught on that camera. And I think the reason I got rid of that recording was because we sounded like a bunch of little girls on it at the time. And <laughs> <laughs> well, and the reason I ask is, you know, there's – there's been people who have basically gotten addicted to EVP sessions. You know, it's, it's, you know, it's considered divination as well. And, you know, it, it, for some people it creates an unhealthy uh, attraction to um, the other side. And, you know, sometimes that can, sometimes that can tend to follow someone. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I, I think the, the Ouija board stuff uh, was enough for for us to have things stick around and follow us for a while. But, I, I mean, we eventually kind of just grew out of that. And we just kind of, you know, we, we've had experiences here and there where we would see things like, you know, I, I, I think it had a lot to do with the surrounding property you know, just being kind of like newly built land. Mm-hmm. But the reason I mentioned like the tornadoes ripping through was because I thought maybe that might've stirred up something in the land that was like previously dormant. Yeah. That's, so that's I, interesting. I, I've never, I can't really think of having heard of that before. Usually it's like somebody that's doing a renovation on a piece of property or a renovation on a house, you know, right. Exactly. It, but a natural disaster, uh, causing something like that I've never really heard of, but I don't know why it would be any different. Yeah. I mean, it's just kind of like a theory I had, or, or you know, it could also be because we were just that age and just into that sort of thing. But I, I thought maybe it could explain, you know, the happenings around the entire surrounding area, because mm-hmm. we're not just talking just one isolated house. We're talking, you know, like a whole neighborhood and the whole property behind the neighborhood. Right. It'd almost be interesting to, uh, and I don't, I have no idea how you would, uh, somebody would go into that neighborhood and approach homeowners <laughs> with the, 
the idea behind it, but, uh, you know, finding out well, I, if, if there were anybody around that would want to talk about that and just uh, yeah, I mean, centralize I, on that neighborhood. I have a pretty good feeling about a house they could go to <laughs> if yeah. they wanted to talk to someone. <laughs> So, so where does this take us now? I was a little, probably older high school age and I'm at a friend's house right off of, you know, we're right in the same area out of auto Crumstown highway and, uh, just hanging out at night and in, in the driveway, probably doing stuff we weren't supposed to be doing. What age are we now? Probably 17, 18 and, you know, just it's a nice, calm summer night, you know, no clouds in the sky, no wind, and just looking up at the stars, you know, cornfield in the background, like trying to give you all the picturesque uh, backgrounds here. But anyways, so we're looking up and, you know, we even joke about, oh, let's look for UFOs, you know. Mm-hmm. And we look up and we start seeing lights move in the sky. And, you know, this is after a while of, you know, staring up, obviously. But the lights we saw were very small and far away. So we could have thought that they were, you know, satellites, um, you know, something else besides, you know, something unexplainable. Sure. But then they start, like, moving in a way where... They're moving in a straight line, but then they also start to dim by themselves. Like the light is start starts off bright, and then it slowly dims down. Like it's almost like they're like they're cloaking themselves. And then we keep looking, and we keep seeing more of them do this. And it was odd. I'm just like, hey, like, are you seeing this? And he's like, yeah, like these things are like something's moving up there, and it's not like a plane or a satellite or anything. And after a little while of us, like, seeing these things, there was uh, a very low-hanging, like, a low-floating bright light, just like these, only it was, like, right over his house. It was huge. And it came right over our heads. And it was completely silent. It made no noise. It didn't flash it was just a bright light. Didn't even have like a color to it. Can you guess? Can you guess to an altitude? It probably like a hundred feet in the air. Oh, so very close. Yeah, it was. It like you know after seeing all like the little ones like really far up mm-hmm. in the sky, this one was like you know the grand finale. <laughs> so how did how did it enter your your line of vision? Uh, I mean, was it just boom and it was there, or you know did you? I mean, if you guys were laying there looking up at the, the ones that are way up in the, in the atmosphere, um, you know, did you, did you notice like, uh, the glow from it, you know, I mean, what, what, what drew your attention to, holy shit, there's a light above the house. I, I honestly, like, I think it was just movement. Like the, the, the brightness, like I'm saying it's bright, but it's not like illuminating the, the entire area. It just like had its own like self-sustaining light. Okay. So like the light didn't really like. I think it was just the movement that we just kind of looked over because it was so close. We we saw it, and it did the exact same thing as the other lights were doing. It flew right over our heads, 
and it just started dimming down as it like went out of our vision. So like we couldn't see it anymore. It was like they were cloaking themselves or something, but these ones like made themselves like, um, visible to us because I think they knew what we were watching them, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, um, I don't know if you've ever heard of like CE five experiences. Oh, absolutely. But I, I feel like we had the intention of like seeing something like that, that night. And they were like all for it and they came and visited us. So, but, and then another time I'm actually, I think I'm driving home from work or high school or something, you know, that I'm still, you know, a teenager and like from the distance, I could see like around my area, there's all these orange bright lights in the sky and there's hanging there. And I, I get close to like a, like my neighborhood, but kind of, you know, like off the beaten path a little bit pull over even to look up at these things and they're just kind of like floating there. And there's like 10 of them, like 10 to 20 of them, like all scattered around the sky. And I, I pull out my, my phone and it's like a, like a flip phone and take a picture of it. (laughs) But you know, obviously it wasn't a great picture from a flip phone like we have today, but, uh, yeah, and you know, I called my friend, the same one that we had the UFO experiences in his backyard, and told him about it. But that was the extent of that experience. So, did you ever tell mom and dad about the the light over the house? Um, I don't know if I told my parents. I don't think they would have believed me, or I don't think they would have cared. <laughs> like, <laughs> unless something happens to them, like they're just like, uh, what, whatever. That's probably not real. But they had their own experience. Uh, summer of 2020, they uh, they went camping down in Hoosier National Forest. And I've been a big Bigfoot fan since 2018. Uh, you know, listen to Bigfoot podcasts and whatnot. And you know, I made the let joke. Me, let me ask how do you how do you get uh, how do you get to be an enthusiast about the subject? Um, well, it's probably a longer story than what you want to hear, but, um, (laughs) I, uh, I just always wanted to like listen to something before I went to bed Mm -hmm. and I used to listen to, uh, like coast to coast AM, um, (laughs) and, uh, you know, it's just something to listen to as I'm going to bed, probably not the, not good for, uh, you know, not having nightmares or bad dreams, but I was always interested in the paranormal. Uh, but I, I think it was an episode of uh, Missing 411 that came on. David Paulides or Paulides, sure. however yeah. you say his name. Dave Paulides. Uh, he, he had some really interesting episodes, and I just was really interested in, like, how these people are going missing. And then looking into his background a little more, I found out that he was, like, a Bigfoot researcher himself. Mm-hmm. And so I started kind of curtailing my searches to Bigfoot stuff and missing 411 and David Pauly's. And I ended up, you know, finding Sasquatch Chronicles out there and, you know, like it was just kind of like a domino effect, but there's some really scary Bigfoot stories out there that, uh, that there are, (laughs) that there are, 
yeah, I was not easily falling asleep after that, but so that's kind of how that started. Okay. And I've, I've always wanted to have a Bigfoot experience of my own. And actually, since like I'm into photography and video and stuff, I want to, you know, get my own evidence. But mm-hmm. anyways, I was like joking with my parents about, uh, you know, like, oh, you know, watch out for Sasquatch or let me know if you see a Sasquatch down there because they were uh, going down to Hoosier National Forest on, on a camping trip. And uh, so they told me, you know, the, the next day after they uh, they were down there that, you know, as soon as it started getting dark in their little camping spot, they kept hearing the whoops. They were hearing whoop, whoop, whoop. And then uh, after the sun went down, they started hearing the wood knocks, you know, crack, crack, crack. That's how they, that's how they describe it to me. And then like when it was completely dark, they heard the howls, like long drawn out howls. Really? And uh, (laughs) my my mom was getting scared and my dad, uh, my, my mom's like, Hey, what, what do you think that is? And my dad's just like, Oh, it's probably a squirrel. You know, like just to try to make her so she's not scared, but uh, they they were kind of freaked out, so they just ended up going to bed early, I think. And uh, my dad had like these lights set up around their campsite, and I he told me that one of the lights he had was eight foot tall, and um, he came out, you know, in the morning, and one of them was like off, so we thought it burned out or something. But when he took it down, um, he noticed that it was switched off. And when he switched it on, it was fine. So, like, he thinks that something intentionally turned off the light that he had. Um, so there was but, there was a switch on the light that, that got switched off? Yes. Oh, and wow. the, light, the, the light was up eight foot tall. Like, my dad had to, like, reach up because he's kind of a taller guy. Mm-hmm. To, to like grab it off of like the tree he had it hanging on and like they're, they're in an area in Hoosier National Forest I don't know um, if you're that familiar with the area but there's a lot of dispersed camping around there and there's usually go places where there's not that many people around mm-hmm. so they were just out there on their own so it looked like you know maybe an animal accidentally did it but who knows but something switched it off physically and you know after all the noises they heard like you only got to think it could have been Bigfoot, but, um, they were telling me about these howls and, uh, so I was looking up like Fox sounds like, cause you know, they make crazy noises, Sure. you know, when they scream and I'm just like, was it this? And they're like, no. So I like <laughs> look up, like I actually like Google Hoosier national forest, like, like Bigfoot sounds or howls. And, uh, I sent the audio to them and they're like, yes, that's exactly what we heard. <laughs> well, it's interesting. Uh, you know, I mean, you're getting down towards the, the bottom part of the state and uh, as anybody who knows anything about Bigfoot, you know, Kentucky is uh, crawling with reports and even going back just uh, uh, not too many episodes back on, on my show, I had a lady on uh lovely lady from uh just southwest of indianapolis and her property uh, essentially butts up against the morgan monroe state forest uh 
I believe that's about an hour and a half north of the Hoosier. And, okay. uh, she had some, uh, I think <clears throat> between her and I, I think we coined the phrase, uh, the mineral howler and, uh, some, some very interesting things happening on her property. Never, never saw anything, but, uh, a lot of the, a lot of the circumstances taking place on her property and around it would lead one to believe that, uh, one of these, one of these beings was, uh, encroaching on her, her property as well. So, yeah, yeah. You know, it's a forested area. Um, it doesn't take much. Somebody can hide out there and, if you want to go off the grid, if you don't want people to see you, it's not that hard to do. And uh, right. it would not surprise me that they'd be in that area as well. Yeah. The, I mean, honestly, I don't think they're, they're very far off from civilization out here. You know, I don't think you need to go far to find them. No, I agree a hundred percent. And I, I can go back to a uh, gentleman. I was just having a conversation with a little while ago. Um, uh, via text messages, James Lady, who was uh, on my show <clears throat> early on, and he does a lot of his uh, um, research in the Detroit area. And I think, we even, I think we even named the episode Suburban Squatch because uh, he, he does not have to go very far outside of neighborhoods at all in that uh, Detroit area to, to have some pretty phenomenal audio recordings and... Uh, some of the stick structures and the TP structures that he's found in, in those areas are phenomenal. Um, you know, the, the pictures that he's sent me of, of what he's seen out there, I'd put up against some of the best that I've seen as far as uh, an organic, um, an organic way of putting these structures together. You know, there's, there's a difference be between just taking a bunch of twigs and limbs and, and stacking them around in a teepee. Uh, these these have uh, quite obvious intent behind them. The the curvature of, of each stick, um, they, it, it's almost like they pay attention to the curve of the 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 stick or the twig or the limb, and make sure that they're all curved the same way. So there's an organicness to to the the creation of the structure. It's it's pretty amazing, and like I said, just not far outside of neighborhoods. Um, so yeah, I agree with you hundred percent. I think these things are a lot closer than what anybody really realizes. Yeah, no, I, I, uh, I I've heard stories, of, you know, kind of off of you know, like recent, um, like south side of town here in South Bend, like Kern Road. They they've seen mm -hmm. they had a Bigfoot sighting, but I do want to. I did just get reminded of a time where I was at uh, Potato Creek State Park. And I went there by myself in the middle of winter when no one was there because I thought that I could get a glimpse of the uh, northern lights. They, they were supposed to be visible at the time. Oh, really? Yeah, this was back in like 2018, 2019. And uh, that was a bad idea. <laughs> I, uh, Why is that? I, well, I don't know if you're familiar with the park at all, but there's a yeah, spot where you absolutely. can drive to. Um, where the cemetery is. Mm -hmm. It's a very old cemetery. Yeah. Yeah. So I used to go out there 
uh, with my, you know, into my photography hobby to do star pictures. Cause that's like the best spot around town for me to get good, uh, astrophotography done. And I was out there with my camera in hopes of capturing some of the Northern lights. And, um, as soon as I got out of my car, you know, it was just still and creepy and like, I was just kind of creeped out and like, I normally can do this stuff by myself without being, you know, creeped out. <laughs> and I heard a howl like coming from the woods and it wasn't like a long drawn out howl, but it sounded almost like a person. Mm-hmm. So I didn't, I, I can't say it was a Sasquatch, it's, it, but it, it definitely wasn't like a live human because <laughs> <laughs> there was no one out there. So that just kind of reminded me of that. Um, I've, I've also heard a couple other stories that I probably, you know, it's just hearsay, but I, the, that Potato Creek area does have a few um, ghost stories, I could say. Yeah, yeah, it does. Um, like I said, the, the cemetery out there is uh, extremely old, and uh, I don't know what the, the practice is called, but I had uh, an older friend of mine, <clears throat> who used to go out there and where they would put uh, a, like tracing paper over the um, grave markers and then use a, like a charcoal pencil to um, get the relief off of it. Um, I, I forget what that's, I forget what the hobby is called, but um, yeah, broad daylight. And uh, he had, um, basically had to pack his stuff up and leave because uh, he was he was made to feel uh, very uncomfortable and very unwelcome uh, in that, yeah. in that cemetery, so, uh, <laughs> I believe it and he's, he's a pretty straight shooter so when he when he tells me that um, you know I mean he, he does that as a hobby so he, he's been into a lot of graveyards a lot of cemeteries and uh, you know most times with with no issue but uh out there he said it was a, a very different feeling oh yeah yeah that's a that's a sizable piece of property out there potato Street, potato creek state park is uh is a pretty good size um natural area and it's hard saying what's out there you know yeah, and, and no. even off even off property of the of the park itself um pretty much wooded area all the way around any way you go yeah yeah you're out in the rural rural area out there interesting stuff i wouldn't mind uh i wouldn't mind having a chat with your mom and dad at some point about uh that that experience down at the hoosier national yeah well hopefully they're gonna be getting some use out of their little camper that they got so uh maybe they'll have some more (laughs) (laughs) all right dave Anything else? Uh, anything um, else you want to talk about? Not that I can think of. I, I think I've covered the most uh, chilling stories that I have. <laughs> I think the other stuff I have is just kind of one-offs and yeah. not that interesting. <laughs> well, I you know, it's really kind of cool to to go back and revisit that that property that had already been talked about, and in many ways you. You confirmed um, the previous guest experiences uh, to a T. To be honest with you, uh, 
Yeah, you know, I'm glad, you know, once I heard his story, I'm glad I, uh, you know, I was kind of compelled to tell mine because I kind of want to corroborate a little bit and then also uh, get my stories out there as well. Well, I appreciate you being on the show with us. Thanks so much for reaching out. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you, Dave. Yep. Bye. I want to hear your story. I want to hear your experience. So email me at contact.uncomfortable at gmail.com. If you enjoy the show, then leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. Share the show with your friends. Share the show on social media. Make sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. All at Uncomfortable Podcast. And until next week, my friends, stay uncomfortable.